welcome to the Master Slave Lifestyle Podcast. Here we'll interview real people living the real Master Slave lifestyle, all consensual and all in different ways. And in this episode... Escorting allows different things for different people. You are paying for a service. You are indulging in your interests. In master-slave connections and relationships, is there is a power exchange, but still two people have to be fulfilled. Yourself, be who you want. And even if that's only in the time with me, forget about the outside world. This is masterslavelifestyle.com hello everyone i'd very much like to welcome sir dave sir dave defines himself as a master and a fetish escort and over this episode we're going to find out more about himself and separate the reality and myths of fetish escorting sir dave welcome hello thank you so um to start could you just tell me a bit about of, about yourself could you in- introduce yourself to the listeners um okay so i am sir dave um i kind of so i describe myself as a uh, fetish escort um i'm based in the uk in wolverhampton so right in the middle of the country um which is quite fun sometimes because i get phone calls from people wanting a session and they'll say to me oh which is the uh, nearest tube stop in london for that <laughs> like when I'm about two hours north of london um yeah i mean i've been doing um escort work since about 2007 um and um the fetish kind of side of stuff uh, a few years after that and full-time working for myself since about 2015 so um tell me a bit about your journey so how did you get into fetish or bdsm or master slavery and then what was your journey to becoming an escort as well as part of that okay so BDSM and fetish and stuff is something I would say has always been there. It's like kind of, you know, you um, discover your sexuality um, and along with that, um, interests in kind of different fetishes or geese. But at the time, you might not necessarily know that's what they are. Um, it was certainly for me kind of bikers and leathers and stuff uh, from a quite young age. Um, yeah, and then always kind of, yeah, as soon as I started meeting people interested in um, kink, BDSM play and stuff, um, power exchange. Um, and that just developed. I was um, I used to be a full-time IT manager. I um, had a whole career of IT. Um, and I was kind of getting a little bit bored with work, so I wanted something to do outside work. Uh, so I then, I was working in London at the time. I trained as a massage therapist. Um, so I did a nine-month um, qualification to become a massage therapist. Um, started doing that. Uh, worked in a few therapy centres in London and places. Um, then a few years later, I moved up here to uh, Wolverhampton, to the middle of the country. Um, started building up massage practice again. Um, and, yeah, that was going well. And anybody who's ever done anything with kind of yeah, massage as a, as a profession, you will always get the... Um, what we refer to, you know, those calls, people asking for something that's a little bit more than just a, a therapeutic massage. Um, and for me, I actually know where it all started. It's I had one client. He was a really nice, he was a regular client. He was kind of about mid fifties, um, coming up to retirement, um, and we just really connected. And throughout a couple of um, treatments with him, things just developed. Um, and grew and um, pretty much from there it was very much full kind of you know naked massages lots of intimate touch lots of exploration um, and through that I found out from him from his point of view he had never been naked intimately with another man and for him it was just a real kind of emotional moment where wow. he just discovered part of, you know, for him and stuff. And I just really enjoyed it. Actually, I thought this is a really nice, amazing thing to be able to do and help people with. Um, and, yes, we then started pretty much advertising that as a specific treatment, a specific service. Um, and that was going really well, really popular. And then people would be asking about kind of, you know, my interests and what I liked. And they might, people say, oh, can I have like a blindfold? Or, can you have, you know, do you got any little like handcuffs or anything? So it's like, okay, well, yes, I actually have a whole lot of this kind of stuff. Um, and so I just started building that into it, bringing that into it. Um, and it grew from there. It just got more and more. And then got to the point where actually, 
know, um, I love doing this myself with people. Um, so I just then started offering it as a whole service. And then the full fetish escort just took off. And it's just been really popular. And yeah, been an amazing journey with some amazing clients and amazing people since then. Thank you so much for sharing that. Um, it comes across very powerfully. Um, is, is it's interesting because there's some some things there which, when you look at it, might not be what you expect from the um, stereotype. So, so for instance, people asking about your needs. Yes, absolutely. Um, you know, is um, have you found that this is something that that comes up a lot? Even with, with escorting, there is more about a mutual kind of trying to understand each other. Oh, absolutely. One of the most common things, so is, um, you know, all the sessions and stuff, obviously, I like to find out what people's interests are, their kinks, their fetishes, what they would like to experience. And so often, a really, really common thread is people saying, I want to do things you enjoy. I want to do um, things that you get off on. So people, you know, they want to come, have sessions, but the point, the focus for them it's actually me and pleasing my interests. So it's very much the, you know, the power exchange for them of um, service and um, servitude. Interesting. So, so, so for you as an escort, are you trying to figure out how they can serve your needs, but also that you make sure that they have a good time doing that as well? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. It's um, there was a. Um, a Twitter a tweet I saw a, a while ago on so um, somebody was having um, a bit of a moan about kind of you know loads of messages from um, subs and people basically kind of with a bit of a prescriptive list of what they want they want you to do this want to do that do that and he just tweeted it and said I'm getting really pissed off with this now I'm not a service dumb like, well I am yes it's that that's what I do um, and the hardest part is working out what do people want. What do they? Oh, so a lot of the time, we have people coming for a session who've never done anything with anybody. They may never have been naked with another man in that kind of situation. So you've got to kind of get them comfortable, and you've got to work out what are the buttons they want pressing. It, it reminds me a bit of another master that I knew, and he did some escorting on on the side, and he was actually there to. Um, allow someone I think they're, they're in their late 40s or 50s to actually come out and but they came out as a slave as well so it was like they had their first experience as a gay man but also an experience as about being a submissive to another man and kind of really helped him on that journey um, and he actually thought there could have been a relationship there but as part of that sort of service Dom he felt the right thing was to allow that person to go and explore yeah. more because they had no experience and now they wanted to go out and see what else was there now they'd kind of come out yeah i i have had it so much i have had quite a few people over the years who have come to me for their first sessions of kink play some of them aren't out at all some of them are you know very kind of um out just you know kind of um gay men out in the world kind of shagging around but they've not done anything bdsm related and they've had people come to me and they've kind of we talk and they try those first things and now i see them on twitter or online on different apps just completely flourishing just out there enjoying their sexuality because they've had that positive touch initially that positive experience of kind of the, the introduction has been good for them it's helped them understand what they like um there's a few people I've spoke to um, online who are in um, kind of lifestyle master-slave relationships, and a few of them, one of the um, the two, have both initially when they started out started seeing escorts first to build their confidence in their interest. Um, which I, I really, I mean, yeah, these are very experienced people, and it was really nice to see that other people actually, actually, yeah, there is a real benefit um, of, of you what you do in your your work so we're sort of touching on this at in the moment um, but i'll ask the question explicitly so what does escorting allow it allows people to enjoy and explore their sexuality in a safe confidential space um it allows people who maybe 
can't have relationships with people how they would like. You know, I, I do have a lot of um, married clients, um, and that's straight married, gay married, partners know, partners don't know. Um, it's it's different for everybody. Everybody's reason for coming to see me is different. So I'll have a few people who, um, you know, partners don't know, um, they, but they have this little itch they want to kind of scratch every so often. And yeah, it might be once a year. It could be every six months, every four years. They will come and they'll have a session and that just gives them a release that they need and they enjoy. I also have some clients whose partners know they come and see me. They're perfectly happy because they don't share the interest, but they want their partner to be satisfied. And also quite often, they like the transactional relationship. So it's not seen as cheating or anything. Literally, you are paying for a service. You are indulging in your interests. That's fascinating. Um, some, some some of the words that kind of came up for me there was like this exploring and safety. And then through that exploring and safety, you've actually had people that have gone on to then decide to do this as a full-time relationship yeah. with someone else. So, you know, they've used the transactional nature to do that exploring, but then they've decided to go and look for something that's that's more um, has more depth from a, a relationship point of view. Oh, definitely. And the safety thing is a really interesting one as well, is I've had um, people who've come to see me um, to reconnect with their sexuality or reconnect with their body. So I've had people who have been sexually abused, they've been raped, they've been in abusive relationships. And then for years, they haven't seen anybody sexually or they haven't been naked with anybody else. But they've come to me to because they feel, because of the nature of it, they can say, right, okay, this is my situation. This is how I feel. But I want to, I don't want to feel like this anymore. But you can help me get past some of these barriers. Yeah, and I always say to people, I am not a counsellor. I am not in any way qualified for any kind of emotional um, support, but I can help you physically reconnect with your body. So what else does escorting allow? Um, so escorting allows different things for different people. Um, so I'll have some people um, who it's very much about BDSM. Some people, it's about the fetish. So they have a real interest in a particular type of gear, a particular type of material sometimes, and they just want to some time to be able to explore that with somebody um, because maybe they can't have that you know, within their um, situation. Um, but a lot of time, it's for a lot of people, it's about release. Now, it's not necessarily physical release. It can be emotional release. It's more of like a de-stressing type of thing. Um, now, I've got two regulars uh, who come and see me who are perfect examples of this. Very different. So the first one, um, there's nothing about it at all. It's literally, I can, yeah, there's no um, dress sense. There's no fetish. There's no gear. So I can be in jeans, T-shirt, pajamas. He doesn't care. He just turns up at a pre, uh, prescribed time, uh, walks into the dungeon, and is straight over the whipping bench. Just go, pulls his trousers down, lies across the whipping bench. That's it. Then, no warm up, straight into a hard caning. Wow. Um, and the cane is, it has to be lines and marks. If, he, if they are, the marks aren't going to last a few days, it's not hard enough. And then after that, he kind of gets up and he leaves. And that's it. And, you know, so it's going to be like a 10, 15 minute session, if that. Um, and for him, that just gives him that pain, that kind of a particular type of pain you get with caning, it only comes from caning, is a real emotional release for him. So sometimes you might have a, you know, regularly, sometimes it might be a year or two between sessions. It's just when he needs it. But then you go to the other end of the scale, I'll have somebody else who, um, He'll turn up, he'll come, and he'll book so like a two or three hours, and then we have a, um, a little chat first, and we'll talk about things. Um, then it's almost a little bit of a ceremony. It's like undressing, um, and then I have a, um, a Mr. S neoprene sleep sack, and then he will get into the sleep sack. And we'll put earplugs in, uh, a tight leather hood, uh, blindfold, ear defenders on top of the hood, uh, strapped up into the sleep sack and then extra straps put around it um, and then I just leave him there 
for hour and a half, hour, two hours, two and a half hours. Um, and you know, I'll sit there, I'll be reading a book and something. Um, no interaction, nothing. He's just completely floating off in his own little world for a couple of hours. Um, and then that's it. So at the end, yeah, we just finish off, bring him back to earth, ground him again, um, and then off he goes. And two completely di- types of sessions, but realistically, not many people could go on to you know, some of the um, the apps and go, oh, can you just put me sleep for two hours and leave me there? Or can I just turn up and you give me a caning and then I'll, I'll leave? So people like the convenience of, this is what I like, this is how I'm going to kind of de-stress, and I can come along, I can have it, without any worry about, are they going to be okay? Are they going to do it how I want? Is it going to satisfy my need? Um, and they can come, have it, and leave happy and relaxed. Or with a sore bum. <laughs> Thank you for sharing that. Um, as we've been speaking, I'm, I'm sure some people are kind of thinking, but why would I pay someone for this? I can get this myself without having to pay. Could you tell us some of your thoughts around that? Um, why do people want to pay? People will pay for different reasons. Um, firstly, privacy, confidentiality. They are confident by, um, I'm not going to talk to people about my clients. You know, I'll talk generally like we have today about things I do, but I'm certainly not going to give any specifics about um, who visits or anything identifiable about anybody. Um, there are clients who also will come for sessions and I don't talk about what I do in those sessions because I know they don't want me to, and that's absolutely fine. Um, we've said it previously, people's situation. So, you know, they are married and they want to have some fun with somebody. They want to explore something, but they want to make sure that it does stay private. Um, the people also as well, again, we're talking about it as well, is that people want to explore and try something out um, and they want to be confident that the person who they are playing with doesn't mind the fact they have no experience. They are happy to be introduced to somebody. Um, now, you get a lot of people online say, yeah, I'm happy to introduce, you know, kind of um, newbies or people who aren't in, um, experienced. But then people also, you know, they want to have their own fun as well. So they, don't, they might get a bit bored of all the time and just keep getting lots of new people. They don't, you know, don't get that connection with people. Um, another random one is try before you buy. Um, I have in my room, I have two um, suspension harnesses, sorry, two suspension hoists, uh, electric and a manual one. I have a whole bunch of suspension equipment. Um, it's something a lot of people are really interested in, but it's a big financial commitment. And also a lot of people haven't got the space to be able to do that. So again, you know, you can hire a car for a weekend. People might hire um, a Ferrari or a Porsche for a weekend because they want to try that type of supercar. Um, so just hire somebody to do something with suspension to try it out. Or milking equipment. I've got a couple of different milking equipment. You know, a £1,000 milker isn't something you're going to think, oh, I'll just try that. I'll spend £1,000 to give it a go. Whereas you could spend £100 for yeah, an hour to try it to see what it's like. So we're sort of coming back to the exploring or experimenting again, aren't we? Oh, absolutely. Um, there is one other one as well. Um, I, I get often, quite often, people phone up and they'll be like, oh, I've got this like fetish or I've got this thing I really want to do, but it's really weird. You'll think I'm really strange. Um, and I've never told anybody about it. So it's the confidence of being able to actually confess isn't the right word but share their interest with somebody knowing that they're not going to get judged they're not going to get ridiculed they're not going to kind of all of a sudden find out later online that oh my god this person i've told about my um fetish whatever it is is now telling the entire world about it um something which has come into my my mind as we've kind of been speaking how can someone know whether someone is a good escort or a bad escort. So we kind of use these things about safety or confidentiality or non-judgmental. How well can someone know the difference between someone that's good and someone that's bad? What could they look out for? 
Uh, for me, I would say it's how do they present themselves? So, you know, um, their social media presence, their website. I mean, for me, one of the biggest things I guess is so many people commenting on my website because I've put a lot of effort into it, a lot of time into it um, to hopefully show that I'm not just doing this as trying to make a little bit of money on the side. For me, this is a, you know, this is a job. Um, it is my business and I have to see it and run it as a business. Um, talk to them as well. It's Now, this is a really difficult one because I can get people phoning me up, asking me lots of questions, and it's very much, right, you ask me lots of questions with a phone in one hand and you've got your dick in your other hand. Yes. So, But then you can have people phoning up and asking questions who are genuinely interested in trying to find out are yeah? You know, are you the kind of person they want to see to have a session with? Um, so you have to be conscious about not asking too many questions. It sounds like you're basically just looking for uh, phone bank fodder. Do you have some examples of good questions that people can ask to kind of find out what um, whether the escort is what and they, they need without, let's say, moving into the, yeah, yeah, the ranking masturbation. Um, I would just things, silly things like, you know, uh, people ask me how, how long have we been doing it, regulars, time and some available. If all, you know, what time, if you say to somebody, you know, when, when are you available? If they're only available for like one hour a week or at very certain specific times, to me, that would say that, well, they're not really actually committed to this as a job. Now you might, you know, you can go on a lot of the um, escort listing websites and you can just see a lot of people are listed on there because they just think it's a bit of easy extra money. Um, the people who've actually put effort into their marketing promotion. Um, so, you know, websites, do they have, are they just literally on, um, I wouldn't say rentboy.com, but that's not been there for years, um, on, a, on a listing website and they, that's it? Or do they actually have other social media presences promoting their services? Okay, and then let's say for the actual experience, um, how can someone know whether this is good or bad based on their experience? The first thing for me I would say is how interested is the escort in your fetish or kink? So if you say you have a particular um, interest in um, bootlicking, but they're a bit kind of like, oh yeah, not really that interested. It's you have to build out, make sure you're you're they will satisfy your need. So you have to be very upfront about what you are looking for. Um, you can with some people, you can be very prescriptive of I am looking for to do this followed by this followed by this followed by this, because the escort is a service dom. They are providing that service for you. If that gets you off, that's absolutely fine. Um, if they are hesitant about any limits or dislikes you have, that's a really good indicator for me. And ultimately, at the end of a session, have you enjoyed it? Do you feel do you, do you feel good about yourself? And it was um it was a really interesting tweet recently. Um, I wish I saved it. It was basically in a session, I can degrade and humiliate you to the extent you are looking for, but at the end of it, you should feel positive because it's been a positive experience. What we've done in the session is seen as being degrading, humiliating, but it's done in a way to make you feel good about yourself. If you don't feel good about yourself at the end, they failed in their job. It's strange. Um, just taking that into a master-slave relationship, I think that's also very true. Um, you know, that what's done to you, let's say, as a slave, if you leave that feeling bad, you know, or, you know, have some sort of negative experience, it's probably not the relationship or it's not the dynamic you need. Because uh, I've had that sometimes that I've seen someone and it just hasn't worked. And I've kind of left it not really feeling satisfied or any sort of joy. And I know the master's probably been quite happy because I served them well, but I think it should always be a reflection. How did you actually enjoy the experience? And if not, why not? Oh, absolutely. And that's a really interesting one in, yeah, in master-slave connections and relationships is there is a power exchange. There is um, the 
the rank and the role differences, but they both have to be you know, still two people have to be fulfilled in that scenario and in that um, in that lifestyle choice. So you still, as a slave, you still have to have fulfillment from what you are doing. You know, it might be stuff you don't particularly enjoy doing. You hate doing kind of, you know, um, you hate doing the dishes or cleaning out the fire or you hate being flogged. But you are getting fulfillment from it and you're feeling positive afterwards because you have done that and has pleased your master. Yeah, I, I think that is a good point that, you know, um, especially when it comes to relationship, you're not going to enjoy everything. Yeah. In it. There are lots yeah, of bits which are a bit of a compromise, let's say. Yes, yeah. and that goes both ways as well. You know, we think for um, that a master will do that not necessarily their kind of big interests, but it maintains the relationship and the dynamic and the connection between two people. Like any relationship, there's give and take. Um, something else that that um, someone who I knew did escorting told me is that um, for the escort to have empathy is very important. What's what's your view on that? Oh, that's incredibly important. Um, I think empathy is one of. For me, I think it's um, it's what people have told me makes me so good at what I do, um, because it's that you have to understand the people you're with and what they're looking for. Um, you always have to remember that why they are with you. Um, and you, you know, it's giving that emotional experience. If you are purely focused as an escort on your own dick and your own sexual satisfaction, you're failing in your job because you have to be able to satisfy the client. Um, and part of that is you have to be able to read your client as well. You have to kind of understand their needs and understand their desires. Um, and sometimes they'll really surprise you. Um, and there was um, one one client particularly um, who has been seeing me for quite a few years um, and we were literally come for a session. It was really nice. We're having a little kind of chat at the end. Um, and just at the end, he's there and he's just like, oh, yeah, by the way, um, I'm still alive because of you. Wow. And I was like, what, I was like, well, what do you mean? And he said, well, so when I first came to see you, however many years ago it was, um, I was really depressed. I was really lonely. Um, and I'd basically decided I tried everything and I was – I actually had everything all planned out. How I was going to do it, I was going to kill myself at the weekend just to kind of get it, end it all. I just had no interest in anything. But then I thought, I tell you what, I'll go and see this Dave guy. Just, you know, he's not going to do anything for me, but what the hell. I've got nothing to lose, so I'll go and do that. And then he was saying that he came and saw me, and literally it was just his life changed in that moment. And it was just like, the depression lifted. He just he was able to get on back to his old self. And it was just like the way he just put it into the middle of a conversation, just really casually. And it was just like, that's quite a powerful thing to know that, you know, just seeing somebody for an hour and a half has such a powerful influence on them. What did that experience mean for you personally? Oh, everything. It was amazing. Just to know that I've actually... Um, being able to help somebody out of one of the darkest periods of their life was just, you know, you can't get much more rewarding than that. And it, and it's also, I'm actually quite, I was always quite grateful almost that I didn't know where he was mentally, emotionally when he first came to me, because that would have changed my focus. Um, so, to actually a few years later to find out the impact I've had on that on that person's life. Um, and, you know, with them in that situation, not just their life, the lives of all their friends and family around them. Um, it's amazing. And it's also as well quite really powerful because it's so personal. Nobody knows what happened or why his life kind of all of a sudden turned around. Um, yeah, it was amazing. I was just so touched by it.
that story is shared with his permission as well. Thank you for sharing that. Um, I just want to come back to this idea of em- empathy and the connection again, as we can all have very different meanings to these words. So I'll be interested in what empathy or connection means from your perspective as an escort. Empathy and connection for me is providing um, the client with a quality service, quality time, um, helping them understand themselves in some ways, understanding and exploring their own sexuality, um, and helping them build a confidence in that. Um, it's the empathy and the connection is a really hard one. It's, it's it's something you can't teach quite often. It's you just have to be able to understand people. For me, a lot of it actually came from my initial days as a massage therapist. I think, and some of the training I did um, with that, um, because the the touch is incredibly transform um, transformative for people. Um, said about you know different clients and the impact it's had on their lives. Um, Connection's the hardest thing to get with somebody because if somebody's chatting to you on one of the apps on Recon or FetLife, whatever it is, the initial contact generally comes from physical attraction. Most cases, people see somebody, I go, I fancy that person, I wouldn't mind playing with them or doing whatever it is with them. Um, for me, there is never that connection. Now, it may well be I might have a client who makes a booking because they've seen the website and they've seen the photos and think, I really fancy how that guy looks. I want to do, I want to serve him. But in the session, I've still got to build that connection with the client and that relationship. So I have to understand what they're looking for, what they want to get out of their time. Um, and that changes as the session goes on because as they kind of, they might come expecting to do one thing or with a desire to do something, but as they relax into a role, that might change and how they are adapt. You have to adapt to what they are feeling at the time. So, you know, it kind of, somebody might, I've had people come and they are looking for, you know, kind of degradation, humiliation, but as you start off, it almost transcribes into um, much more positive um touch and stuff a bit more because physical exploration um because they they've the mind they think they want something but when they get into a headspace it just changes and develops and grows and it's really it's really hard to explain thank you um to, to ask another open question so this idea of let's say empathy or service what do you think let's say a master who wants a relationship can can learn from your experience it's not one way. So a master-slave connection isn't only about the master's desires and needs and interests. There has to be a two-way connection. It's, it's give and take. Um, the master will lead and the slave might follow, but you have to be on the same path together. It's it's strange because for um, me, I've, I've always kind of thought that there is this sometimes mistake or misoma that the slave has no needs and the master gets all of his needs sorted. But even if you go to, like say, one of the most brutal forms of um, slavery, you still have needs around health, control, structure and discipline, humiliation. And if a master doesn't fulfill those needs, that is a toxic relationship within the dynamics of a very strict master-slave. So, so there is always this thing about both parties need to fulfill each other's needs and you can come across relationships or thinking where it's that I as master take whatever I want and never fulfill any need of any sort be it slave needs or human needs and I always think those are quite toxic relationships oh they're incredibly toxic and they're they're also never going to last or they can never have long-term fulfillment um, even for a master in a situation like that, is they because the the slave will never feel fulfilled, resentment will, will set in, which will affect how they will serve their master. Um, so it's a long term; it can never be 
um, a fulfilling connection and relationship. And is there anything from the slave side you would say is good for a slave to do from your perspective as a, a fetish escort? For me, I would say let yourself be who you want. And even if that's only in the time with me, forget about the outside world. We are in a space and a time where you escape. So your desires, your interests are there for you to fulfill. And by fulfilling those, you will serve me better. You will... um, I will enjoy seeing you relax more in your role. I will enjoy seeing you getting to it much more. I was, there's nothing better for me than that moment when I have somebody and they just relax into everything. They forget about their life. They forget about their job. And all of a sudden, their focus is purely on me or what we're doing. And it's just their eyes light up. And it's like a magical little moment. And... That's the bit that I love. It's my favorite bit. That sounds really beautiful. Is there any advice you could give someone on how to let go? Um, in a strange way, it's the hardest one. It's trust. So people will come to me, and or I've had people who book a session, and we've talked about it, we've discussed it, we've planned it, and they've got loads of things they really want to do, loads of strong fetishes, loads of strong desires. But we've never met. So they also have to set their expectations and trust the person they're with. So if you want to, you know, don't set expectations too high. Just let yourself relax and trust the person you're with to let them lead, let them kind of fulfill your desires. The, the phrase that comes up for me as you're speaking is go with the flow. Oh, completely. Yeah, definitely. And you say, you know, so I have some people who will be quite prescribing the things they want to do in a session, and that's absolutely fine. Um, and I have people we do that with. But sometimes we're going through, and it just all of a sudden will click on something else. And so it might go off slightly to do some other things you haven't thought about. And let yourself go with the flow of doing that. Don't get too hung up on, but I wanted to do this instead. You know, we're doing stuff that you're enjoying that's really good so again trust thank you so i I think we've already covered a lot of it but i want to ask the question in case we've left anything out so um what are the attributes or behaviors that are important for an escort to have that we haven't spoken about yet i would say openness um an understanding of your role and what you are doing and making sure you treat it as a business um you have to have a bit of a business head and you have to think about marketing you have to think about promotion um you have to think about boundaries of your um time with your clients and that's not the physical kind of like say you've booked one hour so literally one minute past the hour and now we're finishing it's boundaries crossing within making sure the relationships are appropriate to what they are, um, they should be. Um, you know, some people will confuse a escort relationship and a relationship. Um, and you have to be confident in yourself to actually say, no, this, are, this, is a, this is what we're doing. Yeah, and confidence in your skills as well, and just knowing in your own limits. Um, I always ask um, at the start of every session any um, likes, dislikes, limits, um, allergies. Um, and I have my own limits and things I will do, and I have to be very strict and confident in those, and they're part of my boundaries as well. Um, you know, I have some things I enjoy doing, but I I will keep them as personal things that I will do socially or with um, slaves or subs I know personally rather than professionally because separation you know this is a job so you have to have a separation keeping professional and personal can be hard at times and is, is, is this something for you that kind of you had a clear idea when you started or have some of these boundaries emerged or become more explicit as you've kind of done more escorting 
I was even merged and grown. It, it's kind of, um, I mean, I talk about it as a business and stuff, but it's not really, I don't particularly know of any escorts that have sat down and worked out their business plan for their escort business. Um, so as you grow and as you see people, you will start to actually go, those are things I'm happy to do with clients. These are things I want to keep for my own personal enjoyment. Um, so they're always growing, developing, changing. Um, I mean, there, I just, but then the limits and stuff, I'll have some limits that I just don't deal with anybody. Um, it just um, more because I'm kind of a lot of these like the safety things, like breath control and stuff. It's just more my own risk averseness. You've spoken about one moment, um, but are there any other moments during your experiences as an escort that have surprised you? I had a. Um, a lovely um, client who was in his 80s um, and came to see me um, and he's one of those kind of really old old fellows who likes to tell a story about when he was in the army he was like a brilliant regaling with stories and stuff um, and we came he came we had some amazing sessions and then he was basically talking about how you know he's literally probably going to die in the next couple of years. And this was like about four years ago. Um, but he said to me, he said, like, I'm quite happy with that because I can lie on my deathbed. I can have a big smile on my face. Nobody around me will have a bloody clue why because I can think about all these things we've done together. That's really beautiful. And that was quite lovely. Yeah, that was quite lovely for me. Um, and it's those little moments, the things that really kind of touch me. It's just those kind of where you've really connected or with somebody emotionally on a different, you've really satisfied an emotional moment for them. Oh, there was one other moment that was quite fun, which was I had somebody who, um, we're doing a whole scene and um, he was very much kind of leather worship, cock sucking, um, kind of face fucking, that's all fine, brilliant. So quite, we're really into it, we've got a really good connection, we're going really well. And all of a sudden, he just leans back, takes the dick out of his mouth, takes the teeth out, and goes, that's better, and carries on. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just like, without a beat, it was just like, oh, okay, that's fine. So you have to be kind of prepared for slightly surprising moments and to kind of, yeah. Just, so that can, that can apply to BDSM in general. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yes. So, um, yeah. And you also, you didn't have, I've had the, um, you know, I had a couple of people in the middle of um, sessions faint, um, which is always kind of uh, takes my surprise sometimes. And they get, um, both of them have always said that's why they keep coming back because of that moment, how they were cared for and looked after, and how was the most important part of it. It gave them the confidence in their safety. I think that's a very good hint for, let's say, any relationship when things go a little bit wrong. How does the person react? Oh, absolutely, you know, yeah, yeah. Because there are some people that are more interested in how in in how their expertise has been perceived or been harmed yeah. by something going a little wrong, and um, what yeah, they've been caring for the person. Absolutely, and also as well, it's things like you know what sometimes you're doing stuff. And it's just, yeah, we've, we've all had it where you had a really intense scene and all of a sudden something happens and you just both literally lose it, even fits or giggles or it just something goes wrong and it's like, that's fine. Yeah, we'll just have to deal with it and not get too hung up on things. I'd, I'd like to share one one story of someone else that I um, know who does the occasional S escorting and it was their first ever time as an escort. and. Um, kind of like it came to the end of the session with the orgasm and all of the person would do is say oh oh my god and just walked out still saying the same thing and for <laughs> the next couple of weeks the person was wondering was that good or bad now four <laughs> years later they still see each other so i think it was a good experience but, but they, Absolutely. They, they said for the first time they're like was this good or bad i don't know <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah absolutely yeah absolutely uh, oh actually that's one um, randomly reminds me of one piece of advice I give to people um, always be happy to sack clients 
because you will have clients, you will have people that you don't feel they've respected you or you don't feel you're working with them very well. So you just say to them, no, I'm not going to see you. Sometimes they get a bit arsy and pissed off with you, but against your own boundaries. And that also reminds me of my people, right, kind of your orgasm moment. My shortest session was four minutes. Wow. And that was four minutes from walking in to like, oh my God, I just come. <laughs> and I don't think I like, even touched them at that point. <laughs> Did they come back? No, they didn't. I gave you best your quickest orgasm ever, and you didn't come back. <laughs> so um, I'm coming on to the final two questions, which I ask ev- everyone in on the podcast. So, okay. so from your perspective as an escort, what do you think makes a good master? Empathy. Empathy. Um, willing to learn. Um, knowing that you don't know everything, um, knowing that you will never a hundred percent share interests and desires with anybody, it'll always be slightly different. Um, and for me, I think the biggest one is um, exploring. Um, you are happy to explore your interests um, and find out more about them. Whatever they are, it's um, never stop learning. And then what do you think makes a good slave? A lot of the same things. Um, I would add in a few things like always be prepared to say no. Make sure you always retain the ability to actually go um, – Something's not working for me, or that's yeah, that's too far for me, or I'm not interested in it. Um, I'm, I always remember in there was the uh, the book um, "Ask the Man Who Owns Him," I think it's called, um, and there's a great little one of the stories in there. Was one of the master slave relationships they had a I can't remember if it was weekly or monthly cocktail night, and then on that night they were both basically just you know they would have a few cocktails and make some drinks but for those few hours there was no judgment there was no master slave time was paused so they could both have a bit of time just to kind of debrief and explore mutually their understandings um, of what's been going on how they're feeling and just making sure they can both maintain the relationship Reminds me a bit of um, Porch Time, which was in the first podcast episode, where even though there was a lot of power dynamics in that relationship, there was still the time to communicate and talk. Yeah, absolutely. And then, and both, and that's really important for both sides because sometimes it may well be a slave saying to the master, "Be stricter, be harder, be more something," or it could be. Yeah, the master saying, actually, you're kind of pushing this too hard for me. It's And while the relationships are power exchange relationships, there still has to be ongoing negotiation um, and ongoing exploration of the limits and the interests and understanding of each other. Because while you may really connect with somebody, you may really get on and be, may have an amazing, powerful time, you're still not mind readers. And then... Um... In terms of the master slave community, do you think there is one? And if so, what would you like to see changed in the community? I would, for me, the one thing I think I would like to see is more mentoring and support. Um, there's, it's really interesting. So, um, I'm sorry, UK, Wolverhampton and stuff. And it's quite interesting. The amount of times I'll be talking to people and they'll be talking about, oh, we're going to Folsom this year, or are you going to Folsom? And in my head, Folsom is San Francisco. It's everybody else I talk to, it's Berlin. Because I've only ever really done much more of the American um, leather events and stuff. So I would love something like Claw. So, yeah, a hotel-based convention with loads of education, mentoring, discussions, social time. Um, in Europe somewhere. But I'm not sure whether Europe is has the culture to have that kind of thing, but that's what I would love to see. Um, but I think 
some some sort of mentoring a support system or network or opportunity of people because at the moment there is I mean, yeah, your website's amazing. There's loads of great information and resources on there. Um, but it's one of the very few places, I think, for people who are looking for a bit more than just, yeah, the occasional fuck or they just want to play. That's fine. People who are looking for more actual dynamics to their relationship. Um, and I think a lot of people do, but they don't know where to go or how to get it or how to build it. So for anyone that's listening, if you go to masterslavelifestyle.com, I do offer free coaching on that. So there is a source there. But if something like an educational event is something that you'd be really interested in, please um, email me at contact at masterslavelifestyle.com and let me know as this is something that if there's enough people in Europe that would be interested, I would be um, looking to do. But we need to know there is the need there. So please, please do get in touch. So, Sir Dave, thank you so much for your openness and for sharing this. Um, I I find it quite amazing um, to see how something like escorting uh, can actually really help with the master-slave relationships as well. And we've kind of dived into a number of issues here. So thank you so much. It's been very thought-provoking. Oh, thank you for the opportunity. I've thoroughly enjoyed it. If you'd like to be interviewed by me or know someone who would, you can get in touch with me at the email contact at masterslavelifestyle.com. You can now support the podcast, website, and Master Slave community through Patreon membership and receive benefits such as early access to the podcast, exclusive video workshops, and more, along with my thanks for supporting me. There is now a free download to help you take the next steps in the Master Slave lifestyle, suitable for both beginners and those who want a full-time relationship. Check out the show notes for more information on both. And if you're interested in finding out more on the 24-7 Total Power Exchange lifestyle, go to the website at masterslavelifestyle.com for more information. Thank you all for listening.